You are listening to the Acquired Empires podcast with your host, Jacob Brown. The show where we bring on industry experts and real-time practitioners to discuss the tricks of the trade around buying online businesses. And now your host, Jacob Brown. So today we had on the CEO of Moro Capital and the multiple acquirer of several men's clothing brands. His name is Joel Gandara, and it was a excellent interview today. We really dove in deep um, with all of his processes and just some really great insights. Um, the top things that I sort of pulled from this was his foot in the door strategy for acquiring other brands. And he'll just have to listen in on the tons of gold nuggets around that. And we ended out this uh, episode on a, a really interesting note of what he's currently doing and what he's hoping to sort of shift his business model in. So this was a, a personal favorite of mine. So let's get into the show. Welcome everybody to the show. I have Joel Gandara on today uh, with the CEO of Moro Capital. And he recently made an acquisition of Jocko. And if I said any of those things wrong, just correct me. Um, but yeah, so let's get into what you're up to right now and sort of your history into how you got into buying businesses would be a good start. Sure. So what I'm up to right now is continuing to look for more deals. Um, I found over the last four and a half years from when I acquired my first business to a couple months ago when I acquired my ninth, that that's what excites me the most and that's what gets me up in the morning and 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 gives me reason to get out of bed and move and do things. You know, that's one of the many things, but that's something very exciting for me. Um, now, how I started was not acquiring a business. I started with no money, uh, complete startup by myself, doing everything what I thought would be the best way and learning from my mistakes. And it took years to develop my first business and everything I've acquired so far has been in the same space. So it's been very synergistic, uh, kind of, making my business more and more vertical by acquiring players in the same space. So now we're buying customers of ours, not end consumer customers, but if we were wholesaling to you, we may want to try to buy your business. If you are a competitor of ours because you're another brand and we have multiple brands, we may want to buy your business. So that's what we've been up to uh, over the last four and a half years. Four and a half years. Okay. Yeah. yeah that. That leads into, and I have a bunch of questions written out, but that that answer led into more than I have written out. So that's that's good. So what is, um, so this is your, you said your ninth acquisition and you're actively looking to acquire right now. Let's dive into, um, there's a couple angles I can go with it. What is your model for uh, looking at businesses to acquire? What are the top things that mm -hmm. sort of uh, moves the needle for you? Yeah. There are two branches. One is we do want to diversify and buy businesses outside of our space just for diversification's sake. Um, unfortunately, we've not bought one yet uh, okay. uh, meaningful that that becomes its own entity and, and big. What we have found is our sweet spot. Anything that we're already in that space just makes so much sense. Because if right now I was looking at acquiring a running shoe company, and I'm currently selling swimwear, it's a very hard thing to cross over. This, this customer is not necessarily this other customer. So, but if I'm already in the, but if I were already in the shoe space and another shoe competitor comes up for sale, that acquisition, acquisition just makes a lot of sense. You have your same mm -hmm. marketing, 
same content writers, the same photographer that shoots that already on location, and you have the same know-how uh, and major advantages that apply. I mean, you have your racks, your warehouse set up for shoes. I mean, yeah. Just everything applies. So, but what we're looking for is just for the numbers make sense. If it's a small acquisition, we want probably want to pay a multiple two. If it's okay. a company made thousand a year, a very small business, um, we don't we don't want to pay more than two times for that, unless okay. it's just an amazing. They have something amazing, then we'll probably look at three times EBITDA. Um, however, if you're looking at a business making half a million dollars a year, you're definitely looking at three times, maybe a yes. little bit more than three times. Yeah. So, so we look at realistic numbers. I think we've made fair offers on all the purchases we've made. The sellers all seem to be happy <laughs> at the close. So yeah, we're looking for something that makes sense for us and obviously makes sense for the other side because we could offer a low ball number that makes a lot of sense for us but if it doesn't make sense for the other guy it's not going to happen okay yeah good and so that leads me so let's let's for our listeners let's jump into what is your speciality um just so we have a it's just from your explanation that would be great yeah so what we have started in this niche and just going at it as many years ago uh, when I was much younger, uh, I went. I used to go to garage sales and buy stuff <laughs> and take them to the market and resell them. And uh, one garage sale, I found someone selling jockey underwear. They were just samples. I bought them from a sales rep. He had a few left over, a couple, maybe 500 of them. Bought them all for a dollar, took them to the flea market, sold them for five and six dollars each. So I made a few thousand dollars. And, you know, one thing led to another that opened a door. So I started searching more online and I found other underwear companies and I started finding companies that would wholesale to me and I would start uh, retailing it on eBay. This is back in the late nineties. Um, and one thing led to another. So we've developed now an underwear company and swimwear and athletic apparel for men. And we own 20 different brands now. 20 different and, brands. Uh, some wow. of those are acquisition. Some of the, most of those we've developed ourselves. So what we've been acquiring are companies that we were wholesaling to. So if we sold to wholesale ah. 10 years of our own brands, it just makes a lot more sense economically yeah. for us to operate that business. We've already got the rent. We've already got the management in place, the know-how, the software, our own software for our warehouse. We can operate much more efficiently and without so many barriers between us and the customer. So we now are the brand owners. We are the distribution company. We are the retail company, direct to consumer online. And that's our sweet spot. That's what we've been doing for the last, really as a business, actually been employees before it was me going to the flea market when i was a kid um and then we've actually become a company really like the last 10 years okay. that's when we got out of business and into a warehouse 10 years ago in 2000 in 2008 mm-hmm. uh, so yeah 10 years ago and since then we've grown and developed it uh, to where we are today and okay so that leaves uh, that's pretty interesting so just so i understand the model right you have the businesses you're already partnering with or already have some sort of relationship those are the first ones you're going after to acquire or is those the do you have a history of acquiring those versus yeah. let's say businesses you're like n- not in business relationships like what's the percentage of ones that you've been in relation business relationships with that you've acquired versus have not what's yeah what's the breakdown um, yeah because it's a, a niche industry that i'm in everyone knows everyone so mm-hmm. i'd say maybe and, and what I just to keep clear, 10 years ago, it really got out of my garage, went into a warehouse okay. and employees. Four and a half years ago, that number that I mentioned is once we started acquiring. And okay. by that, I mean, it really, the numbers have taken off. 
the net profit percentage has doubled. You know, that's what that's enabled us to do. Hmm. But um, out of the nine acquisitions to date, I think seven of those we had pretty good relationships with in, in advance of talking about a transaction, at least knowing each other well through the industry, most like most of those doing business with. And then maybe two of those we didn't have a relationship with ever. And, but we knew about each other because, again, we're in the same space. At least they knew I was a Your neighbors. decent guy. Yeah. We're a decent guy and we can talk and, and trust each other's numbers and, and go through the process. Unfortunately, we've done that with success. But I have heard, I've read this, that it's much easier to do an acquisition when you have a relationship with that person. And I think hands down yes. is just the, the trust is there, the walls, the defense that people put up is down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, that's been helpful. So, so how do you combat that? If you say, well, I want to make an acquisition, but, but I don't have these relationships. Well, guess what? You, you control relationships. You can have that them again? or not have You can control a relationship. Oh, control. Okay. You, have it or not. you can email a company or a person, try to yep. find out who the owner is. Uh, you can write them a letter in the mail. Uh, you can send a small gift. You know, you don't have to do anything crazy, but um, those are little things that have helped for me just to, to connect with the person. Maybe it's hard to get a call back um, yeah. and you get ignored. But you do a couple of little things and you magically do get a call back and you start a conversation, build a relationship. Magically. Yeah, I've worked with, as you uh, as we talked about a little bit before, is Ace um, on a few deals. And I brought in an off-market deal that I'd known about uh, but didn't have any relationships with and it's, it's a lot of cold calling and a lot of outreach, but it's definitely possible. So, yeah, so I'll attest to that, but it's much better once you have a beachfront to then reach out to other people. So let's talk about the two um, that you didn't have um, relationships. How did that conversation start? Yeah. Um, in my situation, what I've noticed happens is that it's hard to be, in this multi-level business where there's a manufacturer, there's a distributor, there's a e-commerce website companies, and then there's the consumer. So if you're trapped in just one of those pigeonholed spots, um, you're not gonna be around forever. It just makes more sense for a vertical company to take over, whether that's most likely it's through an offer or an acceptance. Um, So, I'm thinking of those two that I didn't have a relationship with, maybe two and a half, depending on how I look at it. Um, those actually started, it's, it's always started by me reaching out. I've never been contacted by anyone interested in selling me their business that I've been interested in. Um, just the same, I've never found for sale any of the exact tech companies I'm looking for. It's always mm. not, it's never in the sweet spot. So they've always started out with me reaching out with a general email. Um, asking, hey, if you're ever interested in selling the company, I'd be interested in looking at it. And, you know, I introduce myself, very cordial email, and just throw it out there. And it's a, it's a really wide net that you cast, but you're hoping to get that fish. And, yeah. and I'm not shooting for whales. I'm shooting for any fish. I'm just trying to get something going. And, and I understand this could be a three-year process between wow. first contact and when we actually close. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. And that's, it's, I found a lot of the same success. It's just a general outreach and then building a relationship is the key to that. So yeah, let's talk about um, if you're up for it, what I saw, what got my attention with you to want to interview you today is your recent acquisition. Um, Let's talk about how long that took, 
what was sort of the primers on that um, for starting that conversation, um, just so people can have an idea of it's still fresh on your mind. Um, yeah. and, and when you closed it, that'd be good, um, yeah. good to know too. So yeah. So and it's sure. Jocko. I, I, yeah, that, the most recent acquisition um, is Jocko. And it's a men's brand that started, I believe it's in 1993. So that makes wow. it a 25-year-old brand based out of Los Angeles, started by a gentleman named Michael Lee, who designed the products and ran the company. And he did well. In fact, when I went to my very first trade show industry and had a booth and was selling a brand, which was not mine at the time, it was just a brand I was wholesaling for, um, I, I believe I met him there. And so you're talking 15 years ago. And, and it's funny because at that same trade show, I met many brands and many other companies who I've now acquired. Huh, at that's that awesome. trade show. And here's the funny thing. I went to that trade show, paid $5,000 for my spot to wholesale a brand that I did not own. So, it's, you know, at the time it was extremely expensive for me, $5,000. Yeah. Did not own that brand. They could take it from me overnight. But I, I was there trying to learn the ropes and make a little bit of money. And I looked up to these companies that were around me, my competitors, and the store and the stores that would come visit my booth. I looked up to them so much because they knew everything and I knew nothing. The irony is that later I improved my craft a little bit, uh, saved my pennies and built it a little bit better, and was able to acquire those companies. So, so the Jocko came about. It actually happened really quickly. Um, as I was just googling and looking up brands that I like and that I admired, whether it's in the past or currently, and that I thought were attainable. Um, I wrote an email to them. I, I believe I, I didn't even remember the guy's name, Michael. So this is one of those that I didn't really have much of a relationship with. Uh, but I did say something to the effect of, hey, you guys have a great brand. I've known it for so many years. And if you ever want about the future and what you're looking for and possibly selling the company, here's what I do and here's how I think it would fit into my company. So let me know if you ever want to talk about that. You know, very casual. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not yeah. a, uh, a sharp or a strong salesman. I just want to have a conversation and find out what they want and learn from, you know, and see if I can give them what they want. So um, he, he showed me right away that, you know, hey, I, and I, I saw it in the market. There was no new development of products that I think mm -hmm. we could develop because we have a good design team. And so he said, uh, yeah, you know, I've, I've been interested in selling it. I haven't been focusing on it. I've been focusing on other ventures and other uh, brands and other things outside of our space. So it just became a perfect opportunity. And I'd say that was uh, earlier this year in 2018. And I believe we closed on it in the spring, maybe May, possibly, and then okay. announced it in June when we were ready to launch our new collection. So it all went pretty quickly. Yeah. We really have a chance. It doesn't take us too long once we've done it. You know, you want to check their Google Analytics and yeah. you want to check some credentials. But once you have a checklist and you've done, the first one's a tough one where you might make some more mistakes. But, oh, and you can make mistakes on the second or third or fourth, but you improve your process, you improve your checklist. And, and that's all it is. It's, it's really like a 48-hour checklist and we're okay. done. And we can analyze the company, evaluate it, and make them an offer. That's a 48 hour. So that is, that is fast. So what's, um, how long did it take you to how many failures or hitting your head against the wall? Did it take you to develop that checklist? That's, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, and here, here's a, just, you know, a first mistake. We bought our first company, uh, I think October, 2013 and 
took over the, the trademark. So we went on the U.S. Patent Trademark Office website, USPTO.gov, at the closing with the seller, changed it over to our company. So all of that was set. And a couple of years later, we found out we lost the trademark because we didn't update the email address that had to be updated for renewals. So we lost it, had to refile and hurry because we thought, what if someone takes over and, and gets yeah. it? Um, so those are the mistakes. You, they could happen at any time. We still make mistakes and we just keep improving the process and you know, sharpening the saw. Uh, so they can happen at any time and it's going to happen. Nobody's perfect. You learn from these mistakes and that's where, you know, experience and wisdom comes in mm -hmm. after 20 years of making mistakes. If you're learning from them after 20 years, you get pretty good at it. Yeah. So, okay. That's been our process. Yeah. So just a lot of years and just little things that trip you, nothing too major or big, just that everything can go wrong or everything that will go wrong. Okay. So that's, um, so yeah, so that's a pretty quick, um, acquisition. How, and if, and if this is off limits, that's, we can just remove this, but how is your um, financial structure to acquire these? You have moral sure. capital. So let's jump into the broadest sense we can on those things, um, just so people can get an idea of yeah. you know, what you're coming with. Sure. So here's what happened. Uh, you know, when I said earlier in this interview that I started selling at flea markets mm -hmm. and buying at sales that should be the instant cue I did not start with any money yes money. that's what I heard yeah yeah so this isn't like I inherited money or made big money in one place and now I have this capital company that came as a result of saving that's you know, my secret weapon since I was young mm. it's work a full-time job summers I used to work two full-time jobs when I was 18 19 20 21 that age um, and just really grind and saved every penny um, and then that's what's allowed us to acquire all of these uh, businesses. We don't carry any debt currently. Um, okay. We acquired these nine or, you know, in excess of a million dollars in total. But these are not multi-million dollars deals, each of them. But we have spent over a million dollars in these acquisitions. And, and we hope to find bigger acquisitions. We're looking for some okay. that are one, two million dollars each. Okay. Um, and so far, like I said, we, we don't have debt. We, we look for opportunities that, that we can with our own funds that we've saved, no investors behind us, just on our own, um, put that money toward that acquisition. Yeah. In the future, it could happen where we get in more than we can chew. That's the time we can look at financing, again, with no debt and good cash flow. I think we can qualify for a good amount to handle ourselves. And then worst case scenario is eventually bringing in a partner if I ever needed it. Yeah. And so is there, what's the primary reason? Is it just control? Is it so you don't have to pay out certain percentages or hamstring the business what's what's the or is it just your general philosophy um of well, savings that you you went after that that way yeah when i look at the stock market uh or i look at my own business so far my business is still a better investment in the long haul yes. it's returned to me better than the stock market does so if I think I could do something better with my money, I would, but this is what I found to give me the most enterprise value for a potential exit one day. Um, and in the meantime, the more enterprise value I have, that's probably because I'm generating the most income possible. So I, I focus on the enterprise value. I want to build long-term value to my company. Okay. Um, and, it, and, it, and then eventually have long-term uh, results for the investors, which just happens to be me right now. Yeah. Um, but as long as I can keep, growing my enterprise value for my company, I'll keep doing that. Bringing in a partner, like I said, it's not out of the question. It's just, 
I would want to bring someone in when it's totally necessary because the investment opportunity is beyond my ability. Mm-hmm. But then I would also really, because I, I have a lot of friends you know, uh, who can invest and who've actually expressed interest. But at that point, I'd really want to pick the right people who can really help the company, not just bring in money. Yeah. And I could, I would see with your track record and everything like that, you would probably from the people, you know, that I work with and stuff, that's a highly lucrative investment. So that's, that's what I've just, just a curiosity on my, my part, but yeah. So let's um, go into your, um, we've talked about you bringing enterprise value and everything like that. Let's go into what are your main strengths that you deploy when acquiring a business? Is it, purely the vertical integration or what, what do you personally, what is your part of the team? Sure. Um, the way we structured our company and I know I've learned this after the fact, after the business has gone well and growing, um, <laughs> you look back and you think, well, I'm not that smart. How do we get here? Um, <laughs> one of the secrets um, is a philosophy in business, especially for a entrepreneur, a smaller business um, where you have a visionary and you have an integrator mm-hmm. and, I really act, I'm realizing I used to be everything because I was the only person yes. we hired employees. I was still really doing everything that was meaningful. But now as we've gotten better and able to hire great people, um, I'm really the visionary now. That's okay. where I see that I've been, I come up with ideas. I'm not a marketing genius. I'm not any kind of genius. I'm just a normal guy, but, but I have the proper people to integrate those ideas. So we have a marketing team. Uh, we have a team that handles our proprietary software in our warehouse. Um, uh, we have manufacturing overseas. So we have all these different teams. And I have an in-house COO that has been with us for over eight years. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and he's really my integrator. And I'm okay. the so, but, but our in-house strong suit and, and mine is um, efficiency um, and processes. So, if a company spends a dollar doing this process in a warehouse or in an office, I'm going to bet that I can do that for 50 cents. Mm. That sounds like a 50 cent savings, but I'm talking about transactions that, you know, 200, 300 a day. Oh gosh. That's a lot yeah. Every day over 10 years. Yeah. And that's, so that's, that's really interesting. And especially if you're buying a business on certain numbers and you know, immediately you can turn those around. That's, uh, that's, that's just a game changer. So that's really cool. So, I think if I'm getting the time rights and just I want to dive into your team a little bit. Um, you brought on your CEO eight years ago. Is that correct? And That's three right. years ago you started acquiring. So it, what led to um, bringing on that person and how, how did they come into your ecosystem? Cause that sounds yeah. like, like, like a, now I strategize a little better and have bigger visions. But back then it was filling a void. Uh, we were wholesalers. I was going to Paris twice a year, France. I was going to Las Vegas four times a year, setting up a booth and selling the stores. I just needed somebody to help me sell. You know, we had a staff in the warehouse, but I couldn't do all the selling myself. So I actually hired him as a sales rep to go with mm-hmm. me on the road, visit stores, call stores, email, and here's the, the funny part. Um, he was 22 years old, 23 maybe at the time. He's wow. 31 now, been with us for eight years. So he went from a not a very well compensated sales rep to now a very well paid COO because he's grown into that part. And obviously that was just getting the right person on the bus. I didn't know where he was going to sit. I thought it was going to be a sales <laughs> rep. It ended up being he's going to help drive that bus, um, whether it's me driving it with vision or him with integration. 
Um, that's what it's turned into. But it's kind of organic and it was filling a need at the moment. And then you look for opportunities. And by the way, uh, I had hired before him two other people for that same exact role. But yeah. They didn't believe my vision of where we could grow okay. to. I sum it up. I don't know any other way. They thought of it as just the job for the mm -hmm. moment. So even though I would tell them, you know, I have bigger vision and I think we could do this. I think we might be able to do that one day. They just saw it as a job. It wasn't enough pay possibly. And they took off. And even though the numbers don't compare, I see it similar to like Apple computers. They couldn't pay some of their early employees. You know, they couldn't make the payroll sometimes. So they offered them stock and uh, some of them took it and they're now multi, multi-millionaires. And yeah. some of them yeah. said, no, I need the money. And they walked away. So that's how I see us on a very small level that, you know, he hung in there with us when we were just starting to grow and had some ideas. And now it's turned into a great job for him. Was there any things that he did that sort of were indicators? What was the sort of like, okay, he's aligned with the vision. Is, was there anything, was it just the fact he stuck around forever? What was the, what did you see in him yeah. that did that? It's very easy to tell. Um, he was as a sales rep for us already for a little while. We hired a second sales rep. And whenever there was a problem, whether it be in our warehouse mm. or installing software on a computer, connecting a, uh, a printer, whatever, that other sales rep just kept their nose down and kept working on the sales side. But this person would stop and say, hey, you probably have bigger things to do. Why don't you go do that? Let me take care of this. And he created a job for himself. So huh. he became our office manager and then he became our CEO uh, just because he was smart. He created, he made himself so valuable that obviously I couldn't go without him. And, um, and over time, you know, if he asked for a raise, we gave it to him and as we moved him up, you know, he worked on it and he deserved it. So, yeah, he stuck around. Longevity, you know, showing up is like 90%. You got to be around. It's just like being in business. Yep. If you're just in business, you just hang out long enough. You'll be able to see your competitors go out of business. You'll see some come and go. You'll be able to make some acquisitions. So he hung around. Yeah, he did. But he gave himself more and more value every day. That's really cool. Yeah, and I'm in a very similar boat of trying to bring people on and stuff like that. And so that, that was a very personal, like me just picking your brain to figure out how to do the same thing for myself. So I'm very happy with that answer. So, um, yeah. So what sort of your acquisition in my experience, and it might be a little incorrect, but it seems very fast. What's the acquisition team look like for you? Is it a broker? What's, or a less than that? Where, what's your like closing team? Um, yeah. for deals yeah we've looked at companies with brokers um, mm -hmm. either throughout the country where they find them for us online or locally in Florida where we where we are and okay. we've gone out and we've even flown flown to we're in South Florida Miami Fort Lauderdale area but we've flown to Tampa for the day to look at businesses before um, so we'll, we're interested in looking anywhere but um, but all of our businesses that we bought all nine came direct without any brokers us okay. reaching out. Um, and again, the acquisition team is really myself, my COO. And we now have a, uh, a CFO um, who you know, comes from a top company. He's retired, so we brought him on partial time and a fractional CFO. And that's been fantastic for us. It's someone else that we can now uh, bounce numbers off of and get clear thinking. You know, I'm no financial wizard. Neither's my COO, but but everything we've bought so far just makes so much sense. The numbers, anybody can look at them and realize, yep, this is in your sweet spot. It's in your vertical. It just makes a lot of sense. And again, um, you could go 
build a team, but we found that it works for us. We're able to do it, but we also, like I said before, we have a checklist. It's as simple mm -hmm. as that. It's a, a Google sheet that we just make sure we, we're checking the boxes. Did we check this? Did we check that? Because you can hire an expert to do that, but we've already done it. We have the experience. Yeah. Those experts and just make sure the numbers make sense. And so what I, what I'm here, I mean, you're, these, these acquisitions are like, you know, the brands extremely well before you even consider acquiring them. So, and it's, it's sort of hard to fake a brand um, out there when you're, it's so that's, is, is that what you would say? Just so I'm confirming the, the fact that you're so aware of their brand, a major part of your due diligence of making sure they're real. If you're seeing them at all the shows and everything like that, they can't be, I mean, that would be a, a very long con, um, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. that's funny. We use that word ourselves long con <laughs> because we see businesses for sale on all these email, you know, these websites they have, and we're on the, all the email mm -hmm. list. And some of them, honestly, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but some of them seem suspicious to me. They're all around about two years. They're all killing it with explosive growth every month. They're doubling I, and they're selling. I mean, I, it just, those look suspicious to me. I've mm -hmm. never heard of them. I don't know the industry. Yeah. A lot of them seem to be just FBA businesses. Um, I always wondered, maybe they're pouring, again, not a conspiracy theorist, but when they just look so amazing, I see so many of them that fit the same type of model. I always wonder if they're pouring a bunch of marketing dollars into it to grow those sales, but they're not reporting all those expenses. Like they're running them through another corporation or something. So then they just look amazing. You take it over and you're stuck with, oh, I have to spend 10 times more in marketing. This really doesn't make money. That's my guess. I'm not a get rich quick guy. I'm a get rich slowly guy. Yeah. Um, had it for a lot of years and I plan to be on it for a lot more years. So yes, what has helped me is that it's all in my vertical. I know these people, I know the brands. And I see, for example, that there's a brand called XYZ and I don't offer it on my website and all my competitors are offering it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an interesting brand that I'd like to at least look at and see if, if they want to sell it because it'd be a competitive advantage for me to own that brand. Okay. Yeah. And that's, I completely agree. And a lot of the things it's a much less of a conspiracy or more of just lies. And so, and, or just like over exaggeration or something like that on, on, but that's when it comes, becomes more difficult is when you don't know the brand. So it's a great point to just skip that step all in itself. So that's really interesting. So, um, Let's do, I like to do like the end of the episodes is sort of a time capsule. What your current thing you're attacking right now um, and sort of your future hopes um, that, you know, we can look back on and see if you're successful or how you pivoted and everything like that. So let's, sure. what are you into right now and what's sort of your next step after that? Yeah, um, we have a lot of stuff right now, so <laughs> good. I'd love to hear this in 10 years and yeah. see if we accomplished it. We're working right now on really improving our online presence and our marketing okay. um, to grow what we have built so far. We're not masters at marketing. We're, we're improving every day a little bit. Um, that's one thing. Uh, we want to acquire all of our competitors. We want to dominate mm -hmm. our space. Um, we're not a private equity company, but we're, we're like – many steps before that in that we are trying to do this rolling up ourselves mm -hmm. so that then we can take it to a private equity in five, 10 years and see what kind of valuation we get with a possible okay. exit or possibly two bites of the apple, you know, yeah. sell part of it to a private equity. They help take us to another level and then go to a public going. company and see if we could be a very small division within that big company. So that's another one. Yeah. Uh, 
And just to jump in, what do you mean by online marketing? That's so broad. Is there any specific things that you're attacking right now? Yeah, we're strategizing on how to properly build that in the best way. Okay. Um, whether it's improving and, and you know, we're, we're a very organic company. We're driven by emails and a huge following over the years, you know, okay. a couple hundred thousand plus emails uh, in our business with, with faithful people buying for 15, 16 hmm. years on the site. Um, all of them, at least 10 years of, of history with, you know, real brands. Yeah. So, but we want to improve beyond that. Um, like organically, we come up on a lot of searches without any paid ads right now, um, which is okay. the business completely organic, which is great. But now we're looking at uh, starting okay. to pay, get more traffic in through social media, physical events uh, at our, you know, wherever we think our market is best reached. Um, and then another thing, this is kind of off the wall, but we just yeah. agree with a, because we have a very good in-house system that we've built, spent mm -hmm. over half a million dollars building a really good warehousing system. We haven't had a shipping error in over two years. It just, you can't make a mistake. You're guided by a, a computer telling you what to do. Um, in the nice soft woman's voice, it makes you want to do, do what she says, mm. but our guys picking our orders do it very efficiently. They don't take steps backwards. It's all chronological in one pass. You know, they pass through the warehouse with the cart. They pick 150, I'm sorry, they pick 50 orders at a time. Uh, very efficient. Um, and again, scanning everything, it's all barcoded. So that's become kind of a business on its own, possibly. You know, we have a, a company that we've built, actually partnered with my COO on that one to consult folks and help them get their warehouses in order. And what it's done for us, I know this sounds crazy, but we took 10 people picking orders, making mistakes, being humans, and we worked it down to one person. Wow. That's so ridiculous. That so much money for the next acquisition when you're not yes. paying that labor. And by the way, mistakes are very costly. If you make a mistake on a shipment, the amount oh, yes. of for service, shipping, disappointing customer, we've eliminated all of that. So that's another thing. Wow, that's and so this business model is it? Um, is it a program or is it a consulting? Um, what what is it like the back end software? Where where does this that business model fall? Because that's just really the business of you doing your business is such a especially when your whole model is vertical integration. I think that's so cool. So yeah, so just explain the the sure. the model. So company uh, we call it freedom experts and we have okay. a few clients and we're helping them get themselves in order okay. right now um, we've done rather than install our software which it is a software in the okay. warehouse we've done more consulting on how to better set up your warehouse how to um, we've even built software for folks for other needs that we're, once we're in there we see other things we can help them with but the number one goal is show us your processes and mm -hmm. let us try to fix those and automate them because what we found is you, you write a software that takes care of what 10 people are doing and all of a sudden, you know, the mistakes are gone. Mm -hmm. So either find something else for those people to do or you didn't really need them. Um, but the biggest thing is the, the amount of savings that it causes for people. And the reason we call it the business freedom experts is because our, our software and our systems have really freed me up. And I live by the model of four hour work week, the Tim Ferriss yep. book. Um, and that's really what I'm working nowadays in, in our apparel business. You know, we sell millions of dollars. It's very profitable, but I'm not there. I'm not grinding. I'm not killing myself. I was before we had systems. I was fixing mistakes and putting out fires every day as the owner. I was more like the maintenance man, it seemed like I was yeah. fixing things all the time. I don't do that anymore. 
Uh, in fact, uh, we built it so well that our CEO goes in, full-time guy, you know, I mean, he's, he's involved in the business, but he goes in twice a week. There is just not stuff to do. You know, it's all systems and dashboards that we've built. And you get to see everything at a glance, including the speed that people are picking at, how fast everything got out. We see everything at a glance on our phone. So it's not the old model. You know, I mean, all, the only thing keeping us from the Jetsons or the future version is not having any humans and robots are picking everything. Very efficient model with a couple of humans. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, this will be really cool to recall. Um, and because that whole, I mean, it, it, there's so many business models that can affect in itself. And it's sort of uh, the selling the process and of selling products, which is selling the process of processing selling products. And so that's just, that's really cool. So yeah, this will be fun to recall. So how long have you been doing that in particular? Is it brand new or where, where are you at on that? On the consulting side? Yes. On the consulting yeah. side. We started the consulting side maybe four months ago and have really? a few customers now. So it's pretty new. Uh, what happened is um, I'm in a group called entrepreneur organization. Yep. It's a phenomenal group for business people. If you qualify for it, I highly recommend it. It's not mm -hmm. free and it's not cheap, but you pay <laughs> and you join and you get to meet amazing people. So I've given about 200 tours of our warehouse. Um, or, or 200 separate people have come, some in groups, some individually. And the more people I showed our system to, I just wanted to share. Mm -hmm. That's what our organization is about, is sharing knowledge and helping each other improve. And so many people kept telling me, I think this is a business here. I think you should, which I like that. I like starting businesses organically like that if I'm not acquiring them. Just because, yeah. okay, it makes sense. Enough people told me this is doable. Um, and that's how we started the company. And, and that's how we've gotten our clients, really through showing it to people who say, yeah, I'd like you to help me do this as well. Yeah, that's awesome that it just came out of you just helping your community and then people being like, well, you need, we want to pay for this. That is really, that's really interesting. So yeah, I'll, uh, it'd be really cool to see you're only four months in. So seeing the pivots over the next couple of years on this, or if it completely gets revamped or whatever like that, that'll be cool to swing back to. But yeah, so that is, um, I think that wraps it up to a really nice place. We've, um, I think the, the whole model of um, building on what you have on your acquisition strategy, it's, um, I, it's not completely foreign, but it's also pretty rare um, from what I've seen. First, people just jumping into new things or newer things. So that was um, super helpful. Um, and, and I think really good content. So that's, that's all for today. Where can people find you or reach out to you? Um, yeah. yeah, that's, I, you got a lot of good stories, so it's. Sure. Yeah. And I'm always happy to share and, yeah. and provide value wherever I can. Um, my email is Joel, J O E L. Okay. Gandara, G A N as in Nancy, D as in David, A R A at Moro capital.com and Moro is M-O-R-R-O -R -R -O, and then okay. the word capital.com Joel Gandara at morocapital.com and anybody who's listening feel free to contact me I'll help you out or we can chat that's uh yeah and I think after an interview I think we initially chatted about a year or so ago I just reached out and so he's good for his word on that um so that's that's great and I'll have all that information in the show notes but um, that's all for today and I will uh, it's been a pleasure having you on 
So that was a extremely good interview that we just had with Joel. We had to cut it off at a certain point. We talked a little bit off the record just because of some prices, some deal terms, and everything like that, and NDAs, and um, I didn't want to put them on the line, um, but we are going to get that checklist that we talked about in the show note. Joel said it was pretty general stuff, but I... I think common sense knowledge after 10 years of experience is pretty valuable stuff. So I'm happy to be able to share that with you guys. So look in the show notes um, for all contact information. And hopefully we will be able to circle back uh, with Joel in the future and see how his uh, his ventures have gone so far. I, I think we, we talked a little bit about things off camera that um, I can't discuss, but he should have some really interesting stuff moving forward. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to uh, subscribe and leave a review. We're just starting out the show. Um, I believe the acquisition strategy is extremely important for people to know, and it can only get out there if you share. So it's up to you to share this podcast. So I, I appreciate your attention and sticking all the way through. Have a good one. 